the Black Swan Media Studios, deep inside a secret underground bunker. We're speaking to freedom-loving patriots from all around the country and the world. Welcome to the Resistance. This is John Crump Live. Why, yes it is, John Crump Live. And guess who I am? My name is John Crump, and I'm an investigative journalist. And I'm joined today by my friend Flying Rich. But before you bring Flying Rich on, you can always support the channel by going to johncrump.locals.com. Let me go ahead and I will bring on Rich, who you can support at johncrump.locals.com. Just kidding. Flyingrich.locals.com. Let me go ahead and bring him on. What is up, buddy? Crumpy! How are you, man? Good, good, good. Seems like my exposure's down a little bit. I'm not sure what the hell's up with that, but... Well, that, that's what happens when you live in a basement. Yes, it's like freaking cold down here, man. Now, I've been upstairs yeah. mostly today. Um, You know, cold. Your, your mom lets you out of the basement? No, I just had a migraine most of the day. So it was like uh, gotcha. one of those things where it's just like, you're trying to fight a migraine and everything else. Uh, Rich actually filled in for me on a uh, show today on a Jam Four Jam Four Tactical, and I appreciate that. Those guys over for at Jam Four sure. Tactical are pretty damn cool people. You can go to Jam Four Tactical dot com and pick yourself up a holster. It's the holster that I use. Oh, by the way, did you see these? Uh, my local gun shop sent me a bunch of stickers. Yeah, yeah, I saw you uh, yeah. did like an yeah. not an unboxing, but an unenveloping. Unenveloping, yes. I don't get very much stuff in the mail from people. So, yes, I always appreciate it. So, how are you doing? Oh, we're supposed to have Matt from Fubbuster on, but apparently, you have not heard from him today. <laughs> Well, I did email him the invite. I, do you have his text or cell phone? Yeah, I don't like... really care enough. Not saying I don't care about Matt. I just you call me up and like, oh, can you follow up? I'm like, yeah, no, we'll just roll with whatever we have. Well, okay, dude. It's one of those things. Uh, I actually reached out to uh, Dark, and I'm like, hey, Dark, can you ping Matt for me? <laughs> Take I, I think Matt's busy, Raina. dude. And he gets uh, kind of caught up. So, let's see. G23's out there. How's it going, man? Yeah, lawyer, lawyers are always busy. Um, I yep, work yep. with lawyers constantly, so... Safety Harbor Firearms. Let's see. Oh, there's mine. Safety Harbor Firearms. If you want to come on and discuss the NFA, you are more than welcome, welcome to come on. Glock switches. I really wish I had a Glock switch. Alan Palace's Glock switches. And I wish I had a, a legal Glock switch. Matt is halfway Hopefully to Mexico. Hopefully that's coming to all of us soon, right? Uh, yes, uh, I hope so. I mean, I... Okay, I mean, I didn't really watch too much of the show when you guys on. Uh, Matt was on with uh, Dark last night. I didn't watch too much of it, uh, but trial judges aren't going to make 
aren't going to make case law. I don't know if that well, was Matt did explain that last night, so I, I did appreciate that. And, and the whole point is that um, a decision at the level of Matt Hoover's case, serious firearms, would affect Matt Hoover. Yeah, it it doesn't affect others. If um, the ATF appeals the decision and it moves to a higher court, then it affects well, others below it. They wouldn't end up. They wouldn't be able to appeal the decision if Matt loses. And they, if, if if Matt wins, he he's it's done. He's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, uh, Matt Hoover, he rides off into the mm-hmm. sunset. Um, I mean, that's that's just the way it is. There's no double jeopardy in the United States. In right. Italy, there is. Whoa. Yeah. They can appeal. <laughs> like, if you get off, they can appeal. But, wow. Wow. Is Now, is that something they do frequently in Italy or no? Uh, yeah. They did. It was, uh, in fact. Uh, so they keep trying you until they're guilty, until you're guilty. They could. That, uh, what was it? Uh, that one American girl amanda something who, yeah who won the court case they accused her of killing and, and it was like the evidence was like massive to say she didn't kill anyone uh and so she got off and came back to the united states and then they appealed uh appealed the the verdict and they wanted to for the united states to extradite her back to Italy. But the United States, because it was she was already won, the United States doesn't have double jeopardy. So because that would be violating the rights of an American citizen, they they didn't. Guess they, who's not going back to Italy? They, yeah. Yeah, they refuse to or any country that has extradition that doesn't have double jeopardy. Oh right, right. I didn't Amanda Knox. Yes. Amanda Knox, thank you, G twenty three. So, who who was the person that was killed? Uh, her boyfriend and some other person. So, uh, two people were killed and they were blaming it on her? Yeah. And what was the method of death? I, I can't remember I mean, the whole entire Yeah, I, I remember so much vague references of that case. And we got Matt. All right. Let's go ahead and bring him on. Hi, Matt. Hello. <laughs> what an awesome beard you have. <laughs> Thanks. It's just my regular one. Uh, you, you have a, sp- you have a special have different beards for different days? Yeah, I keep a spare. He has one with the handlebar must- bar- handle <laughs> mustaches. Then you have the, like, the ZZ top look. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So how are you doing, man? How are you holding up? Um. I'm not. I'm feeling sick, and um, oh no, yeah. Just, I mean, generally today's not a great day for me. But what, well, dude, dude? Feel no pressure to stay on. No, it's good. I said I was going to do it. Yeah, but you know, we, we roll pretty. We roll a loose ship here, so. Mm-hmm. So, um, I heard, and this is just what I heard. If. CRS Firearms, a.k.a. Matt Hoover, gets off, you have agreed to shave your beard. That's not true. 
Well, we're making it true right here. Take the take the plunge. <laughs> oh, I didn't even realize we were live. Oh, yeah. So, what? It's funny. Uh, but Five o'clock. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, that's not true. <laughs> you want Jamie Bear? I don't think I can agree to that, no. No. So, so how's, uh, how's the trial coming? Well, you know, we're, it, they're still in the very preliminary stages. Um, there's, there's a, there's a lot of steps moving forward before we even get to trial. Uh, so it's, it's, it's quite, it's, it's not coming right now. Yeah. Um, there, but, you know, there's a lot of different things that go on during the trial. There's a lot of motions being filed back and forth and you filed a supplemental motion to a motion basically. I uh, guess exactly. We, you know, after Bruin came out, we we're like, Oh, that needs to be added kind of get stapled on to the previous one. Yeah. So, so, the, so you have a motion to dismiss and basically what you did is you supplemented that motion to dismiss with calling the NFA into question. If I'm getting well, yes. any of this wrong, I'm not a lawyer, so if I'm getting any of this wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, so, you know, we're moving to dismiss as unconstitutional as applied to him and facially. So we've, we, we question the constitutionality of the law in several other ways in, in, in the motion, uh, the the original motion that was filed and then when the new standard came out well we articulated the standard and said this is this is what has to be done for the government to bear their burden in this case yeah and you're not admitting that matt like traffic machine guns or anything like that you're still contending that he did not well no they're the you know we refer to them in the brief repeatedly as tchotchkes because that's all they are yeah, but I just wanted to make sure some people were getting that I mean, kind of one was a up. bottle opener. Of course, it was a chachi. Yeah, it's a classic chachi. Yeah, some people were getting it mixed up. Also, another thing I wanted to—I just wanted to clear up some stuff. Really, at, at, at the surface, that a lot of people are getting wrong. If Matt wins and they dismiss the case, saying that the NFA is unconstitutional, that only applies to Matt. Because at the at at the level it's at, at yes at the um the trial court level yeah uh, a lot of people seem to get that mixed up here um but it's very very it's very you know it's complicated you, it's complicated yeah. so if Matt loses and then you appeal and then Matt wins would that be well precedent? so. If it if it, so if it goes to the eleventh circuit, it's binding in the eleventh circuit, which is most of the southeastern United States. Okay. And then as you you know, you go to the next stage and if they had lost at the eleventh circuit, the government would likely appeal it to the Supreme Court. And mm-hmm. uh, and then if the Supreme Court takes the case, the Supreme Court can do what it's gonna do. If the Supreme Court does not take the case, it means it's still the law in the eleventh circuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For example, uh the bump stock case, uh that was one on uh, on on the panel level uh, at the circuit. Mm-hmm. If it was not granted on banc, or if the uh, Sixth Circuit ruled the same way the panel did, but then it would have in those four states that covered the Sixth Circuit: Kentucky, Indiana, Michigan, and Ohio. Then bump stocks would be legal there. 
But since like the Tenth Circuit and all the other circuits, in some of the other circuits, uh, rule whatever, uh, it would not be legal anywhere else. Well, yeah. So the precedent would only be binding in that circuit, and it would yeah. be informative and convincing for other circuits. Yeah, it would have been informative um, and convincing. But what would have happened there is you would have a split. And yep, a circuit split. A, a circuit split. Yep. Which is another interesting thing, which almost forces the Supreme Court hand. Well, it's supposed to. But it's, they, it's supposed to. Yeah. They, it's one of the factors that the Supreme Court is supposed to take into account when they decide whether or not to grant a particular case. And, of course, because the Supreme Court's review is discretionary, they can decide on an individual level what, what cases they do and do not want to take. Yeah, but it's supposed to uh, force their hand, is what I should say. It helps. Because yeah, <laughs> it's it, still discretionary. It, so. It's still discretionary. Um, there mm-hmm. is a lot of different confusing things when it comes to the law. Which, what, what do you think is the biggest misnomer from, like, the, the layman about cases like Matt's. Well, you know, there's, there's the precedent issue where people always say, oh, oh, like what kind of precedent is this going to set? And they don't quite understand when precedent takes effect. Um, and also how the appeals work. So there's that. Um, I mean, insofar as this specific case, I, I don't know how many different pieces of like, lore there are yeah there there, yeah there seems to be (laughs) yeah there seems to be a lot of different uh moving parts uh with this case put me back on the right side (laughs) there you go that looks better yeah there seems to be a lot of moving parts with this case and uh one of the things that i want to ask you is how how's matt holding up how's his spirits the spirits are pretty high right now. It's, it's, it's really good to see. He's really excited about the moves we're making and the arguments we're making. Um, and he's really uh, full of hope. And that's, that's good. You know, it's, it, it, we've been close to him for some time. And, you know, he knows he didn't really do anything wrong. <laughs> and so, it, you know, his spirits have been quite down for some time, but it's definitely improving. Why do you think the ATF pulled the move that they did? I don't know. Uh, I really don't know. There's, there's, there's no way. It, it does seem like a bit bonkers and even silly for them to have pulled this, but I can't. So my, my theory on that is, you know, Matt often challenged the ATF and with the rare breed trigger, I thought if they were successful in prosecuting Matt, that they would then go after all of the YouTubers that did sponsored videos for Rare Breed. Uh, I don't think the two are directly related like that. Um, Mm. Because, again, you have to have a successful determination on the merits of the thing itself. Uh, And I think think that both the Rare Breed trigger and the uh, auto key card are certainly not machine guns. The question is where the, those courts would draw the equities. I think that, I think it would be a very different analysis in both instances. Yeah. Okay. It, so, 
didn't Fat D get an auto key card to fire like two rounds? John, didn't you have information on that? Uh, that was no, that wasn't the auto key card. That was uh, I'm not sh- not sure exactly what they did. I would have to look it up. Uh, they got okay. the uh, they got the FRT to file, fire two rounds by using a zip tie. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny. So you put something <laughs> elastic enough, and uh, it works, huh? I mean, st- yeah, it's amazing when you modify pieces of equipment that they behave differently. <laughs> Why don't they use somebody's finger on it? Um, could there's also you know the old uh, shoestring or you know elastic shoestring? Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. The, ATF, the ATF has ruled in the past that a shoestring is a machine gun. They did walk it back, though. They they did walk it back, but they have ruled. That's why I said in the past. Right. Well, they didn't completely walk it back, though. They were like, well, the shoestring on its own is not a machine gun. You have to actually, you know, tie it around the stuff and make it, you know, (laughs) which is like, okay, so the shoestring is still a machine gun when the shoestring has been designed or redesigned. (laughs) I would love to be in court and say, hey, all right, here's the auto key card. Make make it fire multiple rounds. Here you go. Mm. You know, just say, hey, here you go. Here, yeah, here's the auto key card. Make it do it. <laughs> yeah, the, the ATF rule is that if something can transform something into a machine gun, then that thing is a machine gun. If a device. Right. Yeah, a combination of parts, any combination of parts, designed and intended solely and exclusively. So there's four yep. total elements there to convert. Okay. A, All right. So to... how is it I can order through the mail a full auto trigger pack or trigger parts for an M16? Because those will not convert a non-machine gun into a machine gun. Okay. So remember, it's designed and intended solely and exclusively. So an M16 fire control unit is, um, it won't just fit into an AR-15. Yeah, you have to drill holes. You have to drill a hole or lower the rear shelf in many instances. And yeah. You have, <laughs> have the modif- right bolt carrier, which just about all of them have now. You have to modify. Um, you have to modify. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, I was doing some research into the full auto bolt carriers and when the and when that actually happened when most manufacturers switched over to full auto bolt carriers, and I was able to determine in two thousand nine they they told Colt in a letter that they were allowed to include full auto bolt carriers in their in their AR fifteens. For civilians, so everyone started doing it. Then everyone started doing it. Yes, yeah. when that letter came out, and because there was kind of a gray area before people weren't really sure. Well, Colt also like imposed a lot of this on itself. It, it, so the original, like the very early AR-15 sporting rifles, uh, were, and I'm I'm not using that term because I'm afraid of the word assault weapon. That's what they called them. Uh, had that's where you get the commercial spec buffer tube. Right, the different size takedown pins. They made everything incompatible. Yeah, and they were doing it just to be like a panicked, you know, overcompliant weirdo. Yeah, the different size buffer pins. That was, I mean, not buffer pins. Sorry, uh, the different size pins were changed in 2011. 
Well, for Colt, for Colt, kind of everyone yeah. else, yeah. Yeah, yeah, everyone else ignored that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I've been doing, I've been doing a lot of yeah. research. <laughs> it's really a fascinating thing, the AR-15 civilian side. Uh, it, like they're because so much of it is just self-imposed, and and you know, I, I remember when I first like decided to build an AR, I'm like, do I want a commercial or a mil spec tube? What the heck is this? And then I, I go into it, I'm like, oh wow. There's literally no reason to, <laughs> to, do, to do, a, this. do a commercial tube. Yeah, it's like there's no reason for them to ever have that. <laughs> they did. Yeah, it was over regula- self-regulation. They yep. were so worried that the ATF were going to come after them that they... Yeah, so they're like, literally nothing works. Check it out, guys. Like, literally nothing. Yeah. Um, and they overcorrected, I think. I wouldn't say corrected, but they... Oh, they were overly cautious, right? When it came to stuff like that, uh, there's a whole there was a video that I found that went over all like I just found I was like googling something and I found that it was by some guy I've never heard of, and I meant I wrote it down. I'll get it to you, Rich, because he did a whole history of Colts overcompliance. Oh, jeez. And how they walked everything well, back. Well, they, they were a federal contractor, and I guess they just want to keep kissing federal butt. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Matt, do you have COVID? <laughs> just joking. I I don't feel good. Monkey pox, <laughs> not COVID. Just, just, monkey just, whoa. Monkey. I'm not a politician. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a politician. Yeah, we're not we're not going to spend too much time on the CRS case because I know you did a great thing with Dark last night, and you went you did a very deep dive into it. But well, thank you. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun to to sit with him, um, and also as is often the case with my uh, with my live streams, it it devolved very quickly into philosophical <laughs> musings, <laughs> which Rich got to. Uh, suffer through. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to see some of it. I didn't get to see all of it. Yeah, I, I do get a bit boring when I start like getting all <laughs> Socratic and asking like weird questions about theories of government. I'm just. Oh no, I, I find all that <laughs> stuff interesting because uh, it helps you understand what's going on. I have like a hundred questions about the Bruin decision and uh, Thomas what he wrote and. When I went through that, I'm like, holy cow, there's like 100 Easter eggs here. No. Did did you have like the same thought? Like they said, wow, that's. There's a couple things that pissed me off. Uh, okay. Uh, I know so, one of them. Yeah. The, well, you know, the big one is, is the um, sensitive places thing. Yeah. Literally no reason to do that. <laughs> did they say historically sensitive places? Yes, they did, but they chose to include the language that they were surely accepted. And it's like, you didn't even undertake a historical analysis. So there's a chance that it was just dicta and that they were just like, you know, explaining an example. But it seemed that they may have been bending the test in that part, right? Uh, Because they were like, you have to prove analogous historical regulations. You have to prove analogous historical regulations, except if it involves taking a gun into the courtroom, which I don't want you to do. Uh, in that case, even though there's no analogous historical regulations, the fact that nobody cried about it uh, shows that it was okay. It's like... <laughs> but, I mean, I don't necessarily think that's binding. I think it's dicta. 
Uh, and I do kind of expect that that might have been something that was put in there for political reasons, right? Like maybe to get a vote of, um, you know, one of the yeah more progressive ones. I do believe it was dicta as well. I don't think it's binding, but for right. the, everyone out there, explain what dicta and binding, what the difference is. Well, right. Binding, so, every, everyone, and, I'm pretty sure everyone knows what that dicta might be uh, something that's not as clear. Right. So, and, and thank you for, for asking that because that that's, you know, a lawyer lizard word that I probably shouldn't be using. I try to stick to English. So when a, a court issues an opinion, there's what we call the black letter law. And that's the, the final result, right? And then there's the legal standard that's part of the black letter law. So there's only a few sentences of black letter law in every opinion. Um, dicta is discussion, you know, stuff that, that you're using to accentuate a point um, or just otherwise just kind of typing and using words. So dicta doesn't actually have legal command. It doesn't, it doesn't have a result, but it can be used to like convince another court in the future. All right. Yeah. How, what do you think about when, who was it? Uh, Kavanaugh talked about permitting being uh, okay. Oh, well that was in a concurrence. Yeah, that was. But I, I thought concurrent statements didn't mean any, mean anything. They're convincing authority. They're not binding at all. Yeah. Okay. That's what when so, uh, I I that's what I explained to you, Rich, on the phone, like a while mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. I, somebody else said something different. <laughs> who, later. Who who said something different later? Uh, I thought it was Steve Stambolier. No, I don't think he did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, you zoomed in on me. It's making me feel weird. Uh, we have a super chat. Rich, go ahead. Could you speak about the new firearm legislation, specifically the ghost gun specifics? Does the soup's decision change it? So the Supreme Court. Well, get into that, I but I wanted, no to, idea what that. I, I wanted to cover uh, the Stephen Stambouli. Stephen Stambouli said that he doesn't believe that states are going to use the Bruin decision or the Congress is going to use the Bruin decision and say, hey, we need to go constitutional carry right away. So that that was one of my things. I'm like, I'm reading this. I'm like, does this is this constitutional carry here? He doesn't believe that. it. He said he didn't believe that the decision would lead to constitutional carry. And it's... Uh, it does, I mean... It doesn't immediately do that. And also, see, the problem there is that there were historical concealed carrying restrictions. And the case wasn't oh. about open carry. Because, um, yeah, you know, it was, it was a very different time back then. And that's they explained this, that everyone just carried guns. And so if you were hiding a gun, it was weird. You know, it's very different from uh-huh. how it is now. Uh-huh. Like, Pistols in general around that time were just considered odd. Um, they they had very little energy. Uh, they weren't very like I don't know. Have you, have you guys ever shot a a pistol from like the turn of the seventeenth or the turn of the nineteenth uh, century, like an I, early eighteen hundreds pistol? No, I have. <clears throat> they have well, and how much kick do they have? 
None. Exactly. They have like no energy, so they're not terribly useful. And so one that you could conceal, right, would be something they were regarded as like stick up weapons uh, because they just didn't do much. You, uh, you would have to be it, like right touching the person. Yeah, almost. exactly. It, like it would. Aside from that, there wasn't much use for it. So back then in some of the, uh, you know, early state governments, they would have restrictions on like, hey, don't hide a gun. <laughs> That's weird. But it was the understanding was because like most people were out with, you know, if they were out and they had a gun, they had a carbine or, or you know, um, a like the shorter weapons were often almost blunderbuss type fire mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so it was just a very different time but they you know and the government was like oh look look see they they had concealed carry restrictions look look and it was like right but that's not really analogous to what you're doing new york because what you're doing new york is just banning anyone from carrying a firearm pretty much yeah. what they did was they were like it's cool to carry firearms we think it's kind of weird when you carry it this way and so that's why the way we read Bruin is to suggest that a state, or the way I read it, is to suggest that a state cannot simultaneously ban open carry and concealed carry. They have to allow for some way of carrying a firearm outside of the home. Yeah, okay. I think, let's get back to Quick's question, because I think what he's talking about, I think he's talking about um, the, I don't think he uh, means legislation. I think he means uh the new rule, which is definitely yeah. What is he, I don't know what he. What does he mean? Uh, the the frames receivers, the redefinition frame of firearm. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> if I'm Bruin, wrong, if I'm wrong, quick, correct me. But I think that's what he. Well, saying. yeah, yeah. Quick, tell us if that's not what you're talking about. But so yeah, that, that was interesting. I did a video all about the frame receiver rule, and Bruin would certainly. Bruin wouldn't change the rule. Bruin gives an opportunity to challenge the entire process of legislative rulemakings on what is and is not a firearm. So that's that's how I see Bruin affecting this. And then West Virginia v. EPA, uh, you know, if if you don't win on a Second Amendment challenge, West Virginia v. EPA, which is um, you know about administrative rulemaking, kind of suggests that the government can't make up whatever rules it wants. It has to be more bound by the text of the law. And the frame of receiver rule is certainly not rooted in the text of the law. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, there's something called the administrative procedure act, which the rule might be a violation of. Yes. <laughs> yes. It may have, uh, violated some of the provisions of the APA. I can't remember which one's off the top of my head. But there are several avenues for challenge, is the nice thing. Yeah, there there's multiple avenues <laughs> uh, for challenges. I don't know if you had a chance to read the GOA, uh, GOA's lawsuit up in North Dakota. Oh, was that filed recently? Oh, yeah. It was like 156 pages long. They challenged it in like every single way possible. They challenged the North Dakota law, or they challenged the uh, the ruling. Uh, the ruling in North Dakota. They filed in North Dakota. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, interesting. They, no, I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. It's 156 pages, and they literally challenged it on APA violations, Second Amendment violations, First Amendment violations, like anything you can challenge it on. Did they bring up? Did they bring up uh, West Virginia v. EPA? Yeah, yeah, they brought up everything. Good. It's it's that's gonna it, be exciting. It's it's massive. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and uh, the other thing that a lot of people so like G23 says it covers Chevron. Like the, the problem is the like it doesn't the interesting Chevron. thing is yeah you Fair. you have to get to Chevron like yeah. the government has to assert it before you can counteract it. Uh, but West Virginia v EPA kind of lets you more directly assault the insanity of the um, rulemaking. Uh, so it, it it does make these a little bit easier. Oh, yeah. Gun websites is here. Look, yeah, hi, gun websites. Yeah, Chevron is interesting because, like you said, the government has to assert Chevron before you can argue against <clears throat> Chevron, right? Which, and you get Chevron like well, previously you get Chevron when you um when there's a statute that's vague. And then the government makes a, you know, an administrative opinion and ruling on that. In that, what Chevron used to mean is that, oh, well, we're just going to defer to what the agency says it is because they're smart. And it only took like a month for that ruling to be abused aggressively by the agencies. And so, and then it took decades uh, for it to be reeled in and they still didn't completely reel it in. But yeah, that's what EPA case is. <clears throat> yeah, they didn't. I wish they would have went further, and they could have went further in the EPA case. Why do you think they didn't go as far as they could have in the EPA case when it came to Chevron? Uh, you have to remember that judges, even at the Supreme Court, are just lawyers wearing dresses, and they're um, they don't often have like. I don't want to say the balls, but the balls to go all the way, you know, because they're concerned about, oh, I don't want to upset the, look at what about all the illegal stuff they've been doing. And yeah. To let them do it. Cause they could have knocked down Chevron totally. And I was really, yeah, they could have been like, they could have been like <laughs> no more interpretations. <laughs> well, and, and realistically, the, the constitution does not provide for administrative agencies making rules. Of course it doesn't. And and that's that's a violation. That's a clear violation of the Constitution. I mean, administrative yeah. agencies didn't exist, right? Like uh, in their present form, until well into the twentieth century, like well into it. So, yeah, it, it's they're a recent invention, kind of like gun control. Correct. Correct. <laughs> yeah, they all came about the same time, really. It's, this is all FDR's fault. Yeah, during the 30s. Yeah, we're in a car in every garage and a bread on every table and damn the Constitution if it stops me. Yeah, FDR and that actually, was the prevailing opinion. Yeah, FDR actually tried to pack the court. Yes, and that was... And so there's a... There's books about this. Um, they're, they're the Dirty Dozen. There's are 12 Supreme Court cases that they were forcing through. Yep, and yep. basically, like... The administration love, was love that book. Yeah, uh, the administration was like, "You need to uphold these, or else." Um, 
and so they kind of saw the running on the wall, and so there was a switch. <laughs> they changed so how they were interpreting. Basically, FDR bullied the court into deciding cases in in the favor that he wanted. FDR bullied the court into exploding the Commerce Clause. Like, the Commerce Clause was this little thing, which referred to commerce between the states and the Indian tribes. Mm -hmm. See, there it is. And FDR was like, yeah, I want that to be the stuff I do. And they're like, okay. (laughs) And that's why, like, that's the only way that our government has been able to grow to the size it is now. Yeah, I think FDR, I mean, he gets too much credit than what he deserves. I mean, he did a lot of horrible stuff, but progressives love him because he introduced social security and all this. Um, But but what a scam social security was. You were supposed to be dead before you collected. Yep. Yeah, that was the plan. But you're going to get free money that you pay for. <laughs> that we get to spend in the meantime. Yeah. All right. What right. are the gun? What are the positive chances? Right, Rich, read the, read the question. What is the potential chance of attacking slash removing interstate commerce clause? <laughs> that would be really funny. <laughs> uh, that would, uh, so it would be a, a constitutional amendment. Um, and it would be a really funny one. <laughs> Because it would it would mean the government couldn't almost do anything. They'd be able to lay some taxes. <laughs> that would be it. So, um, the, so well, the, and provide for the defense. So the chances are zero, is what you're saying. Yes. Uh, try to find me a law that was passed in the last sixty years that isn't like a tax and spend or defense, you know, authorization that doesn't use the Commerce Clause as its source of power. Well, hell, the whole ATF came out of the Department of Taxation. Well, yeah. Well, so well, that's an interesting separate thing because in 1934, the NFA was passed under the taxing uh, power. Yeah, and you taxing actually power. you actually cite some of the original testimony. Yes, yes. And then in '68, the GCA was under the Commerce Clause, and the, so that's why they're structured differently. But in in the original NFA, it was not. There was no ATF. It was to be enforced by agents of the IRS, and. Uh, <laughs> And they did. And so, like, they were arming IRS. Like, it was like, it was incredible. Um, they, and they, they called them revenuers. <clears throat> and uh, these revenuers were out, like, violently enforcing federal law. And, and the, the IRS was like, we're not doing this anymore. Like, this is horrible. Especially and, in alcohol. Right. And so they, like, shifted it around a whole bunch. And uh, eventually, no existing cabinet agency was willing to enforce these laws and so they took all of the like junior varsity team members from other agencies and shoved them in this closet and they called it the atf and that's where it came oh from. my god so, you so mean, they got the best of the best the, sh- <laughs> the, the short bus pro i mean it was it was the people who were not objecting to the constitutionality and egregiousness of the um system yeah the ATF- you mean people without a moral compass Back, back, <laughs> back then, the ETF was attacking alcohol more than firearms, but right. kind of morphed into firearms. If you ever right. heard the term, the, the term bootleggers, um, right. they, they were 
constantly on the run from revenueers. Mm-hmm. And trying and that's to- who. Uh- you guys know the story of David Marshall Williams, who invented the gas tappet system for the M1 carbine. Now go ahead, tell it. Well, he was this guy. He was, you know, interested in arms design and stuff. But he also had a. He may or may not have had a hobby. It may or not may or not have involved moonshining and bootlegging. And he he was in prison when he designed the gas tappet system, which he was his sentence was commuted because of the contribution it would have to the war effort. Uh, but what he was in prison for was shooting a revenuer in the face. (laughs) And it's like, it's disputed whether or not he actually did it. Uh, but that was what he was in prison for. So blowing the face off of one. He was in prison for shooting somebody in the face and he was working on firearms in prison. Yes. Wow. Different time. (laughs) It was really cool back then. Wow. And then he, yeah, and then he got out because he's like, look, I made this cool thing. And they're like, we need that. <laughs> yeah. Sent him right back to Winchester or whatever it was. Uh, one of the things that I found interesting about uh, the supplemental brief that you guys wrote when you referenced uh, the original testimony from the at the NFA hearings back in 1934 is the fact that they wanted to make machine guns expensive, but they also said if you banned machine guns, that would be constitutionally questionable. So how do they rectify that with the Hughes Amendment? Uh, Here's what they do. They don't. Okay, that was... (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, and and bear in mind that that piece of testimony that i pulled was from 1934 this law originated in 33 and uh you know originally there was a lot of hearings before that that i'm still trying to get my hands on uh if any of you guys find um you know original um sources on the hearings of the earlier 33 laws and before they removed the handgun ban i feel like those will be really good because they brought up a lot of constitutional concerns then i'd like to see what they were saying about um, all of the weapons in the earlier parts of uh, of the bill's introduction. Uh, who do I, Dave? Who is it? Dave Workman, I think, has all the original stuff that he got from the Library of Congress or something. It's all though. It's all over the place. But I, I mean, I haven't found like I was just straight up searching the films in the Library of Congress. But if anybody has it all one place i'd love to see it i think he spent like a lot of time i think it was dave workman who spent like several months just compiling it all yeah, i mean that would be you. cool yeah thank you because I've, I've seen a lot of it but i know there's more yeah. and the problem is that some of them were in unrecorded meetings where they just the only record of it is voice vote yeah. mm. damn voice votes rich hates voice votes oh yeah yeah i you, if you're going to vote on something, we should know how you voted and who you were. Right. Because a, the a voice vote should be other than like, hey, let's have lunch. Uh, <laughs> I don't there shouldn't be a voice vote for anything. So yeah, I got a question. Uh, Crumpy broke a story last night that <laughs> that um, New York State plans on not issuing any permits until April 1st and I 
they're, they have to have their 1500 hour training program figured out for you to carry in New York. Is that then. one County or is this? No, no, this is sent out <clears throat> to multiple police departments across New York. Uh, I got a leak. I got several leaked emails. Um, and then, they really don't learn, do they? Yeah. Um, and uh, here's another, so all right, part and, two of the question. Uh, hold on, hold on. There's an, there's another thing I didn't write about because this didn't come in. I, I didn't know about this until like didn't. A, after it released. But uh, people that um that were den- or were or going to be denied because they're not of good moral character. Yeah, will have to wait until April. Also to appeal that because there's no appeals board set up. <sighs> Don't you just love our elected overlords? Oh my. In, I'm in pretty so sure that's going to be challenged. <laughs> can't so quite, but the thing is New York loves to moot cases is the problem. Yes. And so they, you know, they could just be waiting and then go, oops. And then, you know, uh, which is terrible. And, and there are, there are doctrines and so if people ask me, if people ask me, like, what part of the Constitution would I get rid of? And it would be Article 3. I, I, the whole Article 3 standing requirement. I don't think you should have to demonstrate standing like that. I feel like if you can articulate an injury, you should be able to sue uh, mm-hmm, the government. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah, because yep. they did, and they did this in the JSD case, where they uh, mm-hmm. say, oops, sorry, and they, yeah. and, and they moot it, which prevents you from getting Oh, but then they say, by the way, you should injunction. still apply. Yeah. yeah. By the way, you should still comply with what we said. Uh, boo. Where we're yeah, sending. please. <laughs> I, so the, the whole New York, well, Thomas said this, and he kind of, you know, had an idea of what we would do. And he said, don't do that. You know, don't declare <laughs> don't do New York a restricted zone. <laughs> and, and Thomas pretty much wrote that in. But what happened in DC, uh, what was the case uh, where basically they, there were several days where it was open carry in DC. Oh yeah. I remember that. <laughs> I went walking around with my, uh, with, with my firearm strapped. I have a, it was a 1911. And I had this trapped yeah. in my side, just open carrying through DC, which was kind of cool because it was like, D- dude, they're going to change this right away. So I might as well go do it like, now. This is how they used to do it. Did you get any cool so, pictures? Uh, I got a couple, but there was like, there was a lot of people doing it. I thought it was yeah. going to be the only one. I was like, man, I'm not sure if I should do this. So and get what, what's the chance that New York gets the taste slapped out of their mouth and the, the courts say, Hey, by the way, uh, it's constitutional carry in New York. In I, New I York. think Matt's doing I think Matt has the correct idea of what they're going to do. I mean, yeah, th- there's a chance that they could overplay their hand, but I, I think New York is the worst about this and they have a history of doing this. <clears throat> and it's like, it's basically in their, DNA, you know, uh, operating it like it, it's, it's almost as if it's in their manual, you know. So um, what, what you're saying is New York's going to F around until they get smacked. And when they get smacked with like, by the way, tomorrow's going to be up here. It's like, oh, no, we got a set of rules for to issue permits. We'll we'll start issuing no. permits at midnight. They're going to F around until they think they might get smacked. Then, then they're going to okay. say then they're going to drop it and go kind of like the case against New York City where the first new Serpa one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you couldn't. They were like, "Oh, they won't. They won't. The Supreme Court won't take this. Supreme Court won't take this." And then the entire state cooperated and colluded with New York City 
to moot the case. Like literally the state legislature mooted the case for New York City. Okay, that that case was in case you don't know was uh, you could not transport a fire if you lived in New York City and you owned a firearm, you could not transport that firearm outside New York City. But here's the thing, yeah. there's no shooting ranges in New York City. So you couldn't transport it out. Uh, they yeah, they, and like if you had a house up in the Hamptons or whatever, uh, you were screwed. You had to leave it there or have your one for New York City. Yeah. So the New York State Rifle Pistol Association sued New York City on that, and when the Supreme Court took it, New York City dropped the law and they mm-hmm. did what's called a moot. They mooted the case, which means that. It, the law is no longer in effect, so there's no reason to have a case. Yeah, so that's what uh, redressability is one of the things that's required in Article Three standing. And that's like, there has to be something going on that the court can fix. And so they're mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. New York's like, look, we fixed it. <laughs> and, and look, you don't have to fix it. We fixed it. And then uh, so arguably they lost jurisdiction. But I don't think they lost jurisdiction because there are doctrines... There are doctrines designed to prevent this, and that's capable of repetition yet evading review, which is exactly what New York is doing. And that's that was created when they kept like, um, well, it was all it was useful in some early abortion cases because the baby would be born by the time it got to the appeals court, right? Um, it was it was it was useful in, in quite a lot of older cases as well. Um, including in, during free, you know, f- freeing people in the antebellum period. Um, so, so yeah, there are doctrines that are designed to prevent this type of gamesmanship. It's just that New York hasn't been whacked with them yet. Hopefully they, hopefully they will be, but th- yeah. they're terrible about doing it, man. They just do it over and over and over again. They no, it's like their cheat code and they view it like a cheat code. They treat it like one. Yeah. So, so they know they're going to get sued, and they know that they will lose if they get sued, but they will just move the case. Yeah. Now, we fixed it. Well, look, our training is, program's in place. <clears throat> is this more of a PR stunt to get votes? It's like, well, I tried, uh, you know, but the court I, said otherwise. I think it's just I don't too. think, yeah, I don't think guns are a winning issue politically anymore. On, mm-hmm. On any of the main parties, yeah, post COVID and BLM, yeah, they're in more to do with uh, COVID, I think, than anything else. And because the big thing we saw is that, especially in you know densely populated areas, police just wouldn't come; mm-hmm. they just weren't going to come. And so people are like, "Whoa!" <laughs> and in fact, I finally they, see what those people mean. And, and in fact, they yeah, said I am they my first gonna, responder. In fact, they said they weren't going to come. Right. Right, right. So, so yeah, what, um, one more question. Let, let's just kind of role play or gameplay this out. Yeah, gameplay. New York says, hey, no permits till April 1st, no training program, no nothing. How would the Supreme Court say, fine, it's open carry in New York? What what method would they do? For the Supreme Court to do this? Yeah, who would do that? Would it be the <clears throat> Supreme Court? Who? It could be. Well, if there was a new lawsuit or whatever, and it was, okay, these are the things that you're wanting to put in place. Uh, you failed the test. You failed the Bruin standard. And we're enjoining you from enforcing these laws. And that could happen at the district court. Okay. okay. 
because you know, so it's not like Thomas uh, is gonna. Uh, I mean, might, Thomas <laughs> doesn't have a police force. I'm like, how do you enforce your opinion? Oh, oh, oh! Yeah, it has to come through the court. Like, yeah, they don't have a. They don't have like judge cops, right? Right, right. So there would have to be a subsequent court decision, possibly in a lower court. Yeah. Right, and most likely in a lower court, and in, in which case you could get fees, uh, possibly. And I'm, I'm hearing that there might be a case spinning up on it that should that might be filed shortly. Gosh, John, you're hearing a lot of stuff. Yeah, you're yeah. hearing so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good thing you got them big ears of yours. I know, man. <laughs> uh, it, it, MC... I wanted to highlight this comment because MC had the perfect comment. Ooh. New York guilty of structuring to avoid two A rights. <laughs> wow. Pretty good. That's pretty good. And I love that. That's good. Because it's almost like that's what they are doing. It's exactly that, what that they're is. doing. No, it's exactly what they're doing. And they've done it so much that you can't like, it's a habitual course of conduct at this point. So, like the you know, if it was structuring, it would be convicted, <laughs> like no doubt. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's crazy. But when I got that, I was like, oh, this must be one department. And then some, then another cop friend of mine sent me an email. Then another cop friend sent me an email. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, this is statewide. I mean, and and these guys aren't like in adjoining counties either. Yeah. So it's statewide. Uh, Bruin, if you don't know, is the superintendent of police in the superintendent of police in the department. The Super of, Nintendo cop. Yeah, in the Department of Justice, the New York Department of Justice has to come up with a training program. Dude, I wish. You well, they don't have to. They're choosing to. They, they're choosing to. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I wish I was uh, like. Uh, I wish they were like Maryland. Maryland, they're like, all right. Yeah, where Hogan's just like, all right, I'm sorry. <laughs> we give up. Here. You got me. Sorry. <laughs> oh, by the way, and yeah, non-residents, uh, come get your permits. I actually got my fingerprinting scheduled for tomorrow for my uh, permit. You're in Nova, right? I'm in Nova, yeah. So I'm going to drive over to Maryland and get my fingerprinting done. And I can sign off on my own concealed carry permit because I'm, <laughs> I am a Maryland uh, concealed handgun uh, licensed instructor, so I can sign off on people's. Oh, that's so permits. good. Do you um? Do you have a DC permit too? Uh, well, I do, and I can now with my Maryland my Maryland uh, handgun permit. I yeah. can cert. I can certify people for DCs. Do Do I have to be a resident, or can I be a non-resident and get my DC permit? Non-resident. I'm no, no there's no DC, DC residents. Yeah, there, okay. there's no such thing. I mean, there are, and it's terrible. But like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I feel very bad for DC. those people. Yeah, so I have my yeah. DC, and I'm going to have my Maryland. That's um, cool. Except you still can't get on the metro, dude. You get DC. Here's the thing with DC, right? Uh, federal land and federal property are still no no go zones, right? Have you so ever walked through DC? Yeah, every <laughs> day I used to. I'm telling you, it's it, it, it was it, like for me to get from um, uh, McPherson Square to my old job on 10th and Mass, it would have taken like actually five ever to avoid all of the federal. 
I don't know. I don't know if it'd be even possible. So if you consider, I did see a route I could have taken. (laughs) Do carry in DC. You're probably gonna break the law unintentionally somehow. Yeah, like constantly. (laughs) Because they're like everything is like DC. It's like every other building, every other sidewalk is like federal property, federal property, federal property. Yeah. I mean, and there's all like the little the little micro monuments that you don't even notice that are in between the, uh, yeah. like you know, in between a gift shop and a building, and like there's a micro monument, and you, so you step on federal property, or or like there's like a bench, and the bench behind it have a little statue that's like two feet tall, that's some federal monument. I see Walt's comment. Walt, you need to text me. I forget a lot. You need to text me, but I, I will give you those 100. percent yeah. Walt at Safety Harbor. I owe him some barrel chunks. <laughs> nice. Yeah, the Orange Strange in DC is second large. Oh, uh, you're talking about uh, Vanessa Kitty is talking about Foggy Bottom. Uh, the, the, which oh. the Orange Strange went. They have this escalator that is like the most scary. No, I remember thing. the Foggy Bottom one. Yeah, it's the most scariest yeah. thing in the world. You just sit there for like ages, just looking up. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh man, if I fall <laughs> and roll down the yeah. escalator, I'm screwed. <clears throat> yeah, it's a, uh, it, it's it's crazy, but yeah. So DC and Maryland both. Oh, have... hey Matt, I I got a question. So we we had Walter in the chat, and actually, I got a Safety Harbor 50 cal with me right here. Nice. Um. The safety carver, yeah, my safety harbor fifty cal is actually a two serial number firearm. Does yeah. the Bruin decision uh, change that? I think the new regulations will. Um, it it could. Um, there's, it could. I mean, it doesn't change it right now. Um, but you know, the thing we got to sue to make it happen. I think the new regulations. Walt, I'm looking at you. I think the new regulations <laughs> might actually. The new regulations actually do obviate it. Yeah. Um, unless, unless asterisk. Um, because the new regulations do still contemplate a, a twin serial firearm. So, I don't know what they did to him was just totally unacceptable. <clears throat> it's so. dumb as hell. Yeah, but I understand. You know. His perspective is like you're running a small business, you know. Not everybody has, um, and he didn't know me at the time, so not everybody has access to a, a cheap maniac lawyer uh, <laughs> to fight these cases. Yeah, I mean, and it can get expensive. But the government has an unlimited war. No, it can get expensive even when it's me doing it for cheap, just because I've got to pay for everything, you know. Like there's filing fees, there's service charges, there's. Uh, you know, experts, there's, um, you know, th- there's a lot of fees that go into it. It's not just the lawyer, for sure. Yeah, yeah, there's finally, spe- experts are expensive. Experts people, are different. Like, uh, people are I want to like, be an expert when I grow up. <laughs> dude, my wife was an expert witness one time. Um, And they, all she had to do was leave, like, and, like, she had to she had, she had to give like a she had to go on the stand for like I guess like it was like only like five minutes and she didn't make a cross examined and it was like two thousand bucks 
Yeah, I know, because they had to pay her from the moment she left her door to the moment she got back. Yeah, it's like 2000 bucks for like five minutes on the stand. <laughs> like three questions. Yeah. It's like, here's $2,000. No, like, no okay. I don't recall. <laughs> yeah, I want to do expert testimony. I was like, dude, was like, you got to do this more. <laughs> like you got to become you got to become the Rick Rick Vasquez or Dan O'Kelly of the medical field. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm thinking I'm going to start getting into firearms industry consulting because that's something that just isn't done enough. There's not enough people who. I mean, there's all these like Walt's company, right? That they they face these crossroads and not 100 percent sure what to do, and there's no like inexpensive firm out there that's like oh just talk to us we'll just talk to you you know no, not attorney client to... but just some advice yeah, <clears throat> like orchard but they are freaking they're like outrageously expensive yeah if, and if, it's if and i'm thinking if you're not like one of like the 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 like the rugers the or yeah. you know the glocks uh orchard advisors you're not gonna be able to get those guys Right, because they literally charge their the retainer fee is re- freaking ridiculous. Yeah, I've done consulting retainers for companies for a gun. They're like, "What do we need to give you to be on our thing?" And I'm like, "I want one of those." <laughs> that was that. Uh, my, I hope it was expensive and very cool. Uh, no, my wife was an expert witness. Uh, it was in a medical malpractice case. Uh. She is uh, an expert in medicine, I guess. Uh, she's a she's a doctor, but she also um, reviews and uh, studies uh, drugs and drug stuff. Interactions, yeah, for like pregnancy. Ooh. So, you know, like so, like, she can give me a drug to make me pregnant. Nah, but she can tell you that's if what I heard. Is safe by doing <laughs> research to be used pregnancy. So yeah, that's what she does. Very very narrow. But she has she also like she has, she also practices. She practices at a free clinic where she goes once a week and uh, you know offers her, her offers her services. In the medical field for free. Dang. That's cool. Yeah. So she does that once a week. I wish I had a free doctor wife. Yeah, <laughs> dude. She, she doesn't really, uh, she won't. It, I'd be like, hey, yo, you got that prescription pad? Can I get that prescription pad real no. quick? Let me just see that real quick. <laughs> no, no, she's not an OBGYN. Um, no. She, uh, she, her residencies in family practice, but she's also done a lot of uh, like uh, epidemiology um, and a bunch of different things. Um, so she's like done a lot of research-based stuff as well. So she's an expert at reviewing drug interactions and stuff like that all right we've been on for over an hour so matt from fud busters i really want to thank you um i'm I'm gonna give you the final word here in a second but you can follow me at johncrump.locals.com john crump news is my main channel 
uh, John Crump Live is my live channel where you're probably watching me now. Follow me on Instagram at Real John Crump or Twitter at Crumpy SS because that's a dumpster fire. Rich, you can follow Rich on all social medias at Flying Rich besides Instagram, which is Flying Rich underscore official. Check out his locals at flyingrich.locals.com. Be sure to check him on Instagram. Not Instagram, sorry, on uh, YouTube at Flying Rich, not Fly with Rich, Flying with Rich or Fly Rich. Matt, do you know who Fly Rich is? No. I was looking for Flying Rich's channel one time and I mistyped Fly Rich. It, was it good? It, it, it's like a gay black rapping cowboy. Whoa, base. Country rapping <laughs> cowboy. <laughs> So my, my goal is to do a mashup with Flying with Rich and Fly Rich. So maybe maybe I can make that happen. Yeah, man. Do it up. Yeah. So, oh, and also you can follow Flying Rich on MySpace. Yep. You could be my second friend. And No, seriously, he has a MySpace. And he actually uses it. Yeah, what's your OnlyFans page? Flying Rich. Oh, yeah, it's onlyfeet.com slash flying rich. Oh, who told you that? <laughs> Thirsty Cult. <laughs> Thirsty Cult is a guy that watches a dark show that's obsessed with feet. Men's feet. Men's feet. Oh. Yes. I was about to I was about to make a joke, a different one. Uh <laughs> yeah. Don't I do I feel bad. really bad. Truly regrets coming on the show. And thank you, John. Thirsty Cult <laughs> is based, and he is. I love Thirsty Cult. Not in that way, but not enough to show him my feet. Rich did. Because mm. Rich showed him his feet, and we we're like, Rich, no, we're not kidding. He's into men's feet. And Rich was like, oh. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. I still remember. That was the first yeah. time you were on Dark Show. Was it? Yeah. No. We're, we're like, don't do it. And Rich holds up his bare foot. Or like, is it the, the first kidding. time I talked to Ivan the Troll? Yeah, there it is again. First time I talked to Ivan the Troll, I, he had come up with this receiver file, a 3D printable receiver for a PPK that he wasn't going to release. It was just for fun. And I was like, what do I have to do to get you to send me that file? And he says, put your toes in your Shosha. And I, <laughs> and I just immediately, and I like within three minutes sent him a picture of my toes in the ejection part of the Shosha. And he's like, Based and he just sent me the file. I'm one of the only people who got the file. <laughs> yeah, Ivan's uh, Ivan's a cool guy. I've known That's Ivan. Uh, I interviewed him like five years ago, so it's been a long time. Yeah, he's wonderful. He's a sweet. He's a sweet, sweet boy. Where people were sweet still debating whether he was American or lived in Europe or wherever. Yeah, a bunch people of debates about that. that. All right, guys. Uh, and Matt, tell people where they can find you and uh, also give us words of wisdom. Right on, guys. You can find me on uh, your favorite social media at FUDBusters, F-U-D-D Busters. And also my personal account is Matt Law at Law, M-A-T-T-L-A-A-T-L-A-W. Uh, you know, mostly posting on my YouTube channel, FUDBusters, where I do legal explainers on gun law related issues and other things. Uh, as far as words of wisdom, remember that anything more than minimum compliance is simply self-regulation. 